1: Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Hope you had a good and safe Halloween. I went to Salem, Massachusetts for the night. It was pretty fun. Uh, Dressed up like a vampire bat, saw some really cool costumes. got to go to the uh, Salem Witch Trial Museum and uh, see a kind of a haunted carnival thing. I went with a Canadian piercer friend of mine, Stephanie Meyer. She was down for a few days shadowing, so that was fun to kind of hang out with her. My guests this week are April Thomas and Brian Thomas from Born This Way Body Arts in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I, I've known them a little bit, you know, we haven't been super close, so it was really nice to sit down and, and chat and get a little bit more background information on them. Um, April Thomas was really instrumental in our big, uh, APP social media push a few years back. She really helped to kind of create and form the social media committee along with a few other people. I really think that they were one of the first shops to really kind of see the, the benefit that social media would have for our, our industry for body piercing and, and body jewelry and kind of exposing our our message and getting our ideas out there and our products available. April talks about a nice point that we were all promoting safe piercing and nice jewelry and all that, but our, our reach was kind of local. We weren't really getting uh, a, a national, international, global kind of message out there, and social media really got to change that up, and I think Born This Way was really one of the shops that, that grabbed onto it and, and capitalized on it and made some significant gains. Uh, they, they really used social media to kind of create a market, and through the interview you can listen to how they uh, decided on opening a shop in Knoxville, Tennessee, and how they created their business model and how they thrive from it so let's get right into this week's interview with April Thomas and Brian Thomas
2: uh, I'm Brian Thomas with Born This Way Body Arts in Knoxville Tennessee you can find us on Facebook the internet with the websites bornthiswaybodyarts.com Instagram at btwbodyarts my personal one is at Brian this Way. that's b-r-y-a-n spelled the correct way and I have with me my lovely wife, April.
0: April this way. Uh, I, You can Google us for sure. I feel like that's just like the shortest way to say just Google us.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I think the, the main thing that like stands out for your studio for me is like how well you focus on like branding and it, it's more of like an overall like lifestyle kind of a brand rather than just a service or just a product kind of thing? I, I don't know, Like, would you agree with that? or I think it's a trifecta. Yeah,
0: yeah it goes back a little bit in our history. Um, Brian and I met 10 years ago, and I work in the commercial photography field, and that brings me a lot of opportunities to work on creative teams with marketers and branding people and mm. website developers. And um, we worked on a lot of international campaigns and national campaigns that I just applied a lot of the same rules to our own business when i started seeing the kind of service and quality that brian was after and brian offered it was very easy to meld our strengths together Mm -hmm. to form our shop basically i think you can have excellent branding and excellent marketing if you have a shitty service or shitty product it's not going to matter right but Mm -hmm. you can have an excellent product and an excellent Service, and if you don't have the right branding or marketing around it, people won't understand that or you can't communicate how good your service is right. to them. So to me, it's just a communication tool, branding is and marketing is, but I think that's kind of where the perfect little meld came
1: from. It, it seems like you have like a good synergy between the two, you know, because like you, you definitely offer like a really quality service. You guys have a, a really highly regarded studio, but you also get that information out there, but not in like a cheesy way. You know, like, I, it, it seems, like, more organic, and it's just kind of like, hey, we have these gorgeous things that people like, not kind of, like, shoving it down their face and be like, you know, we're going to tell you what to like.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. yes. that I think that's what we're the most passionate about is, you know, the whole reason we have so many offerings in the shop in terms of jewelry is because if this is a unique art form, you want to be... You don't want to look like the cookie-cutter everyday person. Right. Now, granted, we all do 2mm CZ Nostrils, like, all right. the wrong yeah. but in the grand scheme, like, you want to go to a body art studio because you want to be a unique person, mm-hmm. not because you want to look like everybody else who's been into that shop. So I think that's, you know, w- w- that carries over into our branding, that carries over into our marketing, it carries over into who we hire. Yeah. We try to hire a diverse staff even that has lots of different lifestyles within them, and that's something I learned from my past retail experience, was just having lots of different lifestyles represented. We get. Uh, you know the Carhartt wearing type of people in Tennessee that mm-hmm. come into our shop because we've got tattooers there that are into that. So I don't know, broad range.
1: So how much how much like body art experience did you have before the before you two got together?
2: Um, I've been in the industry for fifteen years now. We opened up six years ago, so I was in there about a decade before we opened up, um, and then you have you've got a lot of experience in your field so
0: yeah when in terms of body art experience i started seeing brian 10 years ago um and then a couple years into that i started photographing a lot of his procedures and Mm -hmm. i found myself just sitting in his procedure room for hours and hours taking you know documenting what he was doing so it was this natural progression i suppose and then
1: kind of like a learning through osmosis sort of because you were exposed to it all the time Mm -hmm. yes
0: but then i became a lot more passionate about I have always been kind of in the Charles Gatewood camp Mm -hmm. of I'm into cultures and um, diversity and all of that anyway. So it was really fascinating to me. And uh, it also helped me personally Mm grow. So I was really interested in what he was offering. But I would say even a couple years in, after working with him at other studios, um, then we opened our own studio.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So do you feel like you had had to kind of develop your eye for, I, I, you know, you, you guys have kind of a distinctive style for like what you offer and, and the way you offer it. As far as like its presentation on social media, do you feel like you had to kind of develop that eye or do you feel like that was always just like your natural aesthetic?
2: Oh man, I just I just poked holes real good. She yeah. was the one who made it look even better. Right. Um, So I don't know. I mean, there's definitely some cool evolutions. Like when we started, when we first met, I was working in Chicago and she would come in, like she said, and, you know, document things. And she put together this amazing portfolio for me. And it wasn't just like, here's a picture of a piercing. It was like, here's this cool layout and it's got like some anatomical like structures of like a skeleton in the background and then it's got a few composite pictures of like here's the client smiling and then here's me like giving a thumbs up over in the corner and now there's a close-up of the picture mm-hmm. and it really did more than just like showcase the one image. It, it kind of showed the entire experience it in there. It context. Yeah, and it gave, it, exactly. Um, and so I think a lot of that translated over into our social media nowadays, but I mean it's definitely taken a complete 360 from where it used to be. Yeah. yeah. Or is it a, a 180? Revelation.
0: It's been an evolution from the get-go, for sure, and the more I learn about the industry, if you go back 10 years ago when I first met Brian, the things I was documenting was from my perspective as a client or as a person who had shopped at these studios and been present and friendly, but not from a practitioner perspective, so Mm -hmm. I approached it from that way anyway. Um, but now, I would say even moving to a new market, what we what worked for us in Chicago d- is not the same as Knoxville. I would and imagine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even from shop to shop, Brian started inside of another studio in town, and we experimented with a few things. And then we really learned the clientele there. And then when we moved to a new place, it's just been this constant evolution of... First, we wanted it to be like a piercer paradise of, you know, lots of large gauge things and all the really cool stuff that you couldn't get in the southeast. Right. We really had that vision. And then we realized that our market was kind of a different type of market. Now, they didn't. They don't dislike the, the unique organic stretch earlobe offerings that we have, but they're a little bit different kind of clientele than we ever experienced in Chicago or mm-hmm. that we ever experienced mm-hmm. even at his previous shop. So we've sort of developed our own clients and let them lead us a little. Right. So it's been a partnership of like my own creativity and Brian's natural tendencies. Plus what our market has been driving. Yeah. I mean the market, especially they speak to us in their own trends. We have this Appalachian culture that really drives the art community. And I say it like that because every region has their art and every region has their flavors. But what I think is really special about the Southeast region is that um, even though it's You know, We don't necessarily have the same kind of modern day hillbilly moonshiner kind of thing, but the culture, at least where we are in East Tennessee, the culture bleeds through um, in this really beautiful way of like how people dress themselves and like their style. Even though it's Knoxville, even though we're close to the mountains, people wear really crazy fashion Mm -hmm. and they're way more um, eccentric than you would think. Like the Mm -hmm. creativity and the arts festivals are really more homegrown. They're Mm -hmm. not so like, I don't know, they're not as like couture and big city as you would think. Like I think just the local arts and crafts nature of what we do has really had a big influence on where our marketing has has
1: been for our company. So how did you end up in Tennessee? Was that like a conscious choice, like there's we see a gap in the market, let's, let's try to fill that gap? Or were you from there at any point and decided to go back? Uh, there is
0: a story about that. Uh, the short version is after choosing several other places, we were considering leaving Chicago. We ended up picking Knoxville because on paper, um, for all the reasons that you just briefly mentioned, it was, it was going to be the best market for our future. But ultimately, um, we were in Chicago. We were miserable because things are very expensive there. Yeah. And you really get to a point in your youth where you're at this line of like okay i've done all the things i've done all the school i've done the partying now i'm like an adult what's right. next and in chicago you're i feel like my experience anyway was that you're a little bit more limited because mm. property taxes is like not a thing an average 24 year old entrepreneur can really dig into you know so we realized that we were going to have to leave chicago and when we decided that i was already looking at different commercial photography opportunities because as a freelance um, contractor it was easy for me to just pick up and move and I had several other clients in different parts of the country I was thinking of moving Brian had his own thing going he wanted to leave Chicago but he wasn't like actively trying to leave mm-hmm. we weren't even living together <laughs> and um I got an offer in Austin, Texas, and we were like, no, 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 that market's so saturated, there's no future for us there, everything's gonna get only more expensive in Austin. Not to talk to anybody who lives in Austin. Well, no, <laughs> but it seems like it's an expensive city. Yes. Yeah. Well, for yeah. us to move uh, from Chicago, it wasn't necessarily as big of an, an opportunity. And then I was considering a place in Pennsylvania, actually near Lancaster. Uh, and I got
1: to get those Amish clients.
0: Uh, well, yeah. I, you know General piercings really, Galore, yeah, I bet. <laughs> it has a very similar feel to East Tennessee, I would say the whole mountain country beautiful relaxing culture, but I wanted as far away from snow as I could get. Um, Knoxville happened to be on the table for me, and it was the last place I was considering. I was like, Oh, Tennessee, Ugh, Yeah. the South. <laughs> and then Brian said something to me like, wait, they have Waffle Houses and swimming pools <laughs> there. And I was like, you know, I haven't seen a swimming pool in 10 years. Sold it. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, yeah. And he was now like, you can't
2: pay me to go to Waffle House. Right.
0: <laughs> Brian was like, I can wear cowboy boots. I <laughs> love the mountains. And he wouldn't shut up about it. And, like, suddenly Brian was, like, set on moving to Tennessee, and I still hadn't even considered it. I was like, Tennessee, <laughs> but uh, still
2: never worn cowboy boots
0: yeah right
1: it's never too late yeah it is well okay
2: yeah
0: (laughs) i took a job working for a commercial photographer we moved Mm -hmm. across the country packed all of our stuff into one u-haul from our two apartments in the city we moved into one place that was labeled the luxury apartment it was like the cheapest apartments in knoxville but for us living leaving the city it was like mansion. We were like, look, we have a whole bathroom to ourselves without five rooms. I parked
2: right out front of my door. This was amazing. <laughs> I know, We
0: were like, look, it's only <laughs> it's three feet. Yeah. I didn't have to
2: park and then take a train to my place.
0: So. <laughs> but the, we noticed right away that the quality of life in Knoxville was amazing. Just after visiting a few times temporarily for work to, to figure out if we wanted to move or not, we really realized that Knoxville had um, not only a wonderful culture, a wonderful history, a really healthy economy the quality of life can't be beat and now we've been there eight years almost and it's flash forward it's one of the top growing cities in the country
1: great
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so it was a good decision all around
1: so when you when you started there were you the only piercer at the time well i was
2: working in chicago um at a studio and i wasn't i don't know living in the city just isn't for me so um i ended up I ended up importing a bunch of uh, organic jewelry and started a little website and was uh, selling jewelry on there. Um, it's just kind of a side hustle. So when we left Chicago, that was pretty much my full-time job. Okay. Um, what I found out in that process was trying to stop at every studio between Chicago and Knoxville was that I only sold jewelry to one studio that I actually stopped at. And it was in Louisville, Kentucky. And when I got to Knoxville, I was like, all right, I'm going to hit up every shop in town and see what's going on not a single studio would buy any jewelry and every time i would ask them i'm like why aren't you buying any jewelry and they're like we don't carry jewelry everyone just goes to the mall and every studio i went in no one had anything except for maybe some like fashion naval dangles with like playboy bunnies and rebel flags on them or something so um you know i came home one day after doing this and i was like april no one has anything here right. this is insane Meanwhile, um, my
0: commercial photography job was taking me to photograph these mansions and all of these beautiful
1: lake homes. So you <laughs> so you kind of saw both sides of it. You saw yeah. like you know we know that there are people around here who would be our target clientele. Definitely, we see that there is there is no market, let alone a gap in the market. Yep. Yes. Um, well at least no one exploiting the market right Mm -hmm. so that seems like a perfect storm kind of situation
2: yeah so in the process of visiting these studios I did find that there I came across like a Craigslist ad that some studio was hiring a piercer I went to check it out Um, you know it was the best option in town at the time so um, they hired me on I kind of ran my own business independently inside their studio we had very very different views and opinions on um, just basic safety things, mm-hmm. and it didn't go well. I lasted, what, three, four months or something before yeah. I was like, I-, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is disgusting. I have to get out. We thought um, that
0: there was just a cultural difference and that we could kind of coach and help uh, and, you know, work together. Yeah. But it didn't go yeah. out that yeah. way. So, but, yeah.
2: story. but once we left, you know, it was one of those, like, all right, it's time to sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we buckled down, wrote a business plan, like, met with some counselors. And yeah. Did the thing, so...
1: I think you two were probably some of the first people that looked at it as, like, this is a serious business. This is an industry. This isn't just, like, a job for people who don't want to work at the mall anymore kind of thing. You know, like, you, you really kind of turned it into... Oh,
2: we had to. It was a necessity.
1: Yeah, like like big this business. was this yeah. was going
2: all in. This right. was basically taking every penny that I had in my pocket and yeah. saying, "All right, this is how I'm going to have to make a living if yeah. I want to stay in this industry. Otherwise, yeah. I need to find a new career path." Well, because I've known it's plenty not, of people who have
1: like yeah. doubled down and be like, "Well, it's this or nothing." But you two really seem to like make a foundation and a plan and stuck to the plan and developed yeah. a brand based on it and all that stuff.
2: Yep, we've been lucky. Like April was, um, she was very. I don't want to say pushy at the beginning, but very firm in the fact that like, no, we do need to treat this, you know, real. We need to have a business plan. Yeah. We need to have a, you know, some kind of structure going into this. Um, luckily, we found out about the SCORE organization, which is small business counseling. Mm-hmm. And we sent them an email through their website. A couple of days later, they hooked us up with a mentor. Um, he was a guy who's lived in this area for what 50 years plus. He's opened and closed, numerous retail businesses, just has tremendous experience and a network of people. And I mean, he helped us from everything from writing our business plan to helping us find funding, to Ooh. helping us find a location to rent. To, I did, mean, he, did he get it? Did he get your
1: industry? He, he did. He took he, the time to learn it. Wow. It was amazing. He wow. had yeah.
0: so many meetings with us that he looked, first thing he did was took our business plan home and read it and then when he met with us, He said so many nice things, but he asked us a lot of genuine questions, and I think that that built of this great foundation with him of like respect because we were really nervous. We met him in the parking lot and he's just—he gets out of his car. He's got a giant cowboy hat. Right. And it's like a big belt buckle. Pounder. Like yes. We're going to be best friends. And he's you know 65. Like he's you know painted like a the typical white American Republican gentleman. And so we were just like, oh god, what is this going to be like? What mm. does this guy think of us? But he was so open-minded and cool. And I'll tell you every. Everything that we thought we were going to fail at, he encouraged us. He pointed us in the right direction. And even when we thought we were, like, done bothering him with things, he would follow up. And to this day, he still messages us regularly. We still go out to regular meetings around town where he'll introduce us to, like, another small business owner. He'll take us to a restaurant that his friend of a friend has owned. And it's really been wonderful that it wasn't just him saying, Here's where you go to get a loan, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. we didn't. That wasn't really even available. Right. He, it wasn't just him saying, "Well, you got to do this in your business plan." He actually like took us under wing and was like, "Let me tell you about this community of this community guy. He started this mm-hmm. business like this, and let me introduce you." Like that is so much more valuable to me than just like Definitely. answering questions. It, it seems like you know really somebody
1: like you. that cares about the community and realizes that y- you probably don't want a business successful or not that doesn't want to be involved in the community. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he probably looks at you two as one of the success stories, and he probably. Mm-hmm. is is proud of that.
0: Yeah, I would say he is proud of it because yeah. he's invited Brian back to speak um, on several occasions. He's had Brian speaking on social media and even just encouraging some of the other, there's some older business owners in town that are trying to modernize some of their systems. Mm-hmm. And we've really been a driving force in a lot of that. It's been kind of interesting. I oh love yeah, they're ourselves. floored. They're
2: like, wait, so you guys use the internet right. to make your <laughs> business make better. Money. How does this work? You yeah. know, and like, they're floored by it, so.
1: Well, I, there were a lot of different things, you know, because you and I had a, a little bit of interaction through the APP social media, like, right when it <clears throat> right when it first started. Yeah. And I, I was instantly kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm learning all these things, and, like, I knew that some of these ideas were out there, but I've never really seen it utilized correctly by someone in our industry. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, like, seeing and understanding, it, it It seems like you two were kind of ahead of the curve for, for a lot of that stuff, like, understanding that, that this is the future, and the sooner you take advantage of it and get comfortable with it and mm-hmm. utilize what's available, the sooner you can start getting those dividends from the success based on it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of piercers now would kind of be aiming towards like the born this way model sort of, you know, of, you know, focus on a brand, focus on interaction, focus on quality and, and create the market that you want. Don't just try to like work your way into an existing market. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So did you, did you... Did, when you opened your studio, was it piercing only at first? Did you add tattooing, or did you start with tattooing and piercing?
2: We started with both um, in the studio that I had started in um, in Knoxville. I met a couple tattooers who were pretty new to that that studio. Um, they we all meshed really well, you know, and they were like, "You you get it." Um, so when I told them, I was like. I'm out of here, and I think I'm going to open my own studio. They were very much like, you call me as soon as it's ready. Yeah. Like, we're going to come over. The Jerry
1: Maguire, like, who's coming with me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we I didn't have even have to do that. They were just like, that. here,
2: we're, we're coming with you. So yeah. I'm like, our okay, model. well, I guess we're going to have tattooing. <laughs> <laughs> our
1: model was
0: piercing only, and yeah. that's what we, we didn't want the headache of all of the right. bureaucracy that just comes with additional resources. I'm sure you don't mind
1: that you made the decision to have tattooing, though, at you this know, point. It's, nah, it's we love really them.
0: It well yeah. in our, in our, growth because right. they feed each other mm-hmm. you know the tattoo clients are piercing walk-ins and wa- the piercing clients become tattoo right it's a synergy absolutely
2: well and i think with the brand that we've made in town too people equate our brand with they know they're going to get quality services when they come in so if we didn't offer those tattooing services it's almost like we're doing a disservice to our community by right. not doing it because, because they then they'd have
1: to all. seek it out somewhere else yeah you have those crossover clients yeah. who
2: want both exactly mm-hmm. yeah and they like they like our establishment they like our atmosphere they like what we're about mm-hmm. like
0: you're right so. about how when we started it was definitely something that people weren't doing when you talk about just the internet the and the infrastructure for a business to be in place it wasn't happening across the board no. nope. and nope. as his partner i was constantly asking him like now i'm not going to talk about negatively about our jewelry companies for a moment but like i would have conversations with him saying like why the why is it like this it's not right. like that in any other industry and so for me when i think about marketing from just, just branding and, and loose marketing on the internet there were so many things that I would just ask, like, why? Why isn't it like that? Like, I do this for the dentist, so I mm-hmm. do this for my hair salon, and we do this for these other companies. Like, why aren't we just doing this for tattoo shops? And yeah, it, it just seemed like an easy. It was obvious to me, right? But it, I didn't realize. I had no idea that it wasn't so obvious to everybody else. I just thought that it was like unique to my little bubble of like the people around me just don't get it. I didn't realize that it. was Both like, of you seem pretty intuitive with push. that
1: kind of thing, and it just seems like it's it's a natural fit for you, and you just kind of like. You, you ran with what was available and it seemed to have worked out pretty good for you.
2: Well, and when we opened up, I mean, I took what very little cash that I had. I took, uh, luckily I had really good credit and opened up a bunch of credit cards and stuff, mm-hmm. but I literally took everything that I had in my life to open our studio. And when you sit down and do the budget you're like, well, we need jewelry, but there's no money for advertising. So now, how do you advertise for zero right. yeah. dollars? And internet. so, yeah, the internet. And you know, once we saw the results from that too, we um, just within our own studio, that's when April, like we had, we had started making friends with people within the APP, and sat down one day and we're like, There needs to be. We need a bigger voice because right now, like if we look back at it, what like six, seven years, body piercing was not as popular as it is now. We've had a huge surge, and I think that's because you can trace directly
1: back the growth of the overall industry, all these jewelry companies, the the growth of membership within the APP. You can trace all of it back to the start of. Like, piercers grabbing onto social media. Definitely. yeah. Definitely. It used
0: to be that we would be standing alone on these mountaintops screaming, like, piercing can be done nicely. Right. Piercing can be done safely. Yeah. And we can only really impact the people that were, like, hearing our own voice. The village
1: at the base of that mountain. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. So
0: it, to me, it was like, we all have to connect and do this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, after we had been open a couple of years, I saw that my own voice was as maximized as it could be in that regard. And I realized, like... I can influence the people on our block that piercing is like this wonderful whatever. But I also know through my own marketing, I I think big. When we market a pet product, we are marketing to the national dog associations and the national magazines. Like we're we're focused that way. So I kept thinking to myself, like how else how are we gonna be able to get into mainstream media? The only way we're gonna be able to do that is whether we pull our own personal resources, like club tattoo like we have to have a a huge amount of our own personal resources if we want to accomplish something like that or we think of it like a network and every other industry works well when they have a giant network and I saw the APP as that opportunity of there's not enough people hearing the safe information because everybody on the internet forums is bitching about clients talking about, in, you know, internally threaded versus actually threaded. Like, why are we still having this conversation yeah, yeah. 30 years later? Mm-hmm. So, to me, the only answer is for us to all have this infrastructure and the same voice and the same message on the internet. And the only way that I saw for that to happen was for us to, like for like-minded individuals like yourself and myself to start working together
1: yeah. on the, those groups. And I really- It works out so good because um, But before the social media boom, think of how offended someone would be if if one of your clients brought in a picture from your competitor and was like, okay. I, I, got, I saw this at this shop an hour away, I want that. you just be like, screw you i'm me i'm gonna give you what i want love my my thing and now it's just like oh cool that's that's something brian did that's something that this person did tyler did whatever and it's like cool awesome i got that kind of jewelry let's make some let's make some magic happen i love it yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's great i love it i think it's
2: like my favorite thing ever and my clients think it's so cool when they bring that in and i can be like oh my friend ryan did this i know exactly who did that and they're like no yeah Yeah, they're so impressive (laughs) it's
1: like Kind of credibility, sort of, because it's not just like, oh, you're not just trying to trick me into spending money. It's like, oh, you're offering like a valid service Definitely. or product yes. that, that's nationally and internationally an recognized. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. But it's also because you kind of piggyback on fashion. It's not like this Definitely. underground thing anymore. It's just like people like pretty things. People want to be pretty. Mm-hmm. We can make you pretty or help you feel pretty. Yeah,
2: man. Yes. Yeah. I tell people all the time, my job is to make you feel better naked. <laughs> that's all. Accurate. Yeah. Like, you can either do come to us or go to the gym, which one's easier?
0: <laughs> so, um, on that note, to switch gears a little bit, I feel like there are some positives with that and we have covered a lot of those. There's also some interesting um, opportunities or negative outlooks that have ha- results that have happened with the advent of our social media and I think we can use that term like sellout kind yep. of loosely, but we talk about like corporate shops and the, the corporate selling out of this like art form that we have felt like such a personal connection to is now such a vain, um, disposable uh, thing for some people. Yeah. And I feel like there's this fine line of uh, a group of people comes in to get pierced, they don't really care about what it means to them or any of that, but then um, then you have the other people that really start cherishing the primitive nature of it i think to a higher degree and i think that we're finally to a point where that like we've gotten everybody so educated about using the internet that now we can start using it in ways to direct the trends or right. direct it back right. to the parts that are so important to us it doesn't a have to be a a really good CG example
1: anymore. is like when the triple ford helix thing broke and when like the the migraine thing broke you know people could really direct it and be like look you know There are only so many times you can do the exact same thing with the exact same jewelry. And then I I really think that that's where the explosion of all this gold came from and all these different things of being like, look, I know I'm going to get 50 people walking through my door in the next couple of weeks asking for the same thing. So I'm going to carry awesome jewelry for it. And then I'm going to constantly and then I can use that to put out on social media and drive even more clientele to my my product. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I want us to start using the internet to bring back a little bit more of that, like, ritual appreciation aspect of it a little bit more. That is what I would like to see. With our new shop development, we're going to kind of split our mission a little bit. One of our shops is going to be a little bit more high-end and, like, retail-y. But the other one, I want to make it a little bit more edgy and Mm -hmm. primitive and...
1: Um, mm-hmm. Kind of bring
0: that culture back. Uh, we don't want to co- completely see the porcupine quills go away from right. the shelves. <laughs> right. Well, just
1: just like what they were talking about in the class, what was it, yesterday? Um, Kales talk about, like, artisan jewelry and how, like, the the big hot trend for 2018 is, like, bohemian retro kind of style. Mm-hmm. I'm already really starting to, to see that happen in, in just the, the way that people are naturally picking jewelry. You know, like, they, they want, like hammered gold or things that look like raw or something still like awesome awesome jewelry but they're going for more raw than bling now Mm -hmm. and i I think Mm -hmm. that that's that's really smart to get ahead of that trend Mm -hmm. because i I think that that's going to be the next wave people that want it to be like more organic and natural feeling and and less about like sparkle and flash yeah yeah they want it
0: to look so polished they
2: want to look a little edgier right i get way more compliments on my stone plugs than i do my anatometal metal gem dialets anymore and it's really saddening because i love them (laughs) uh
1: stone doesn't really work for me really yeah I don't know it's just a market thing yeah.
0: It, yeah it doesn't necessarily sell as much for us but yeah when people yeah. are making a compliment right. they're like oh shit that blue yeah
1: yeah yeah. So yeah. Weird. no it's you know it's got really nice personality but I think it's just you know you have to you have to listen to the market and you have to you have to put what they want right in front of them sometimes without them even knowing what they want you have to kind of predict it a little bit which can get tough yeah. but if you can kind of get into that and really kind of give them the hints of like you know hey other people are thinking this is really hot and crazy then they're gonna be like you know what's really hot and crazy Ooh, oh yeah hammered texture Plant or
0: the seed.
1: this or that yeah or Big stones feather. and yeah yeah it's really cool so uh, I know that you're doing hand poke tattoos now how did that kind of progress for you
2: um man I've been dabbling in hand poke tattoos now for what since Chicago so seven eight years. seven eight years something like that yeah um, it's gonna sound bad like I have a crazy crazy um, like fascination with prison culture mm-hmm. and <laughs> so um, in doing that like I like in the first studio that I started at I we were very very not busy and I would sit around and make prison shanks a lot um, just Wait, for shits and just giggles. sharpening a toothbrush
1: on the floor? Yeah and
2: I would like hide them around our studio and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So anyhow, like, but yeah, in, in in watching all these documentaries and reading things and stuff like that, I started seeing like, oh, there's this whole culture of tattooing in there. And a lot of that stuff is done with very archaic tools. And so I'm like one day sitting there thinking like, man, could I just really take like a regular tattoo needle and start poking myself with it and it would do something. So like I did a little dollar sign on my ankle and, you know, three weeks later it was still there. So I was like, man, there's got to be more to this. Um, so fast forward, just a lot of like just messing around on my own leg and then, you know, having some friends be like, hey, I want to try doing this little design on you and doing that. Um, it just kind of evolved from there. And luckily, it's been something that, like, I built up a little clientele for in Knoxville. They started to really like it. The downside is is it's really taking a toll on my hands because right. it's... Um, it's a lot harder to do than with a machine. all
1: the forces correct from yeah you, not a machine
2: yep so um, a couple years ago um, one of the tattooers that I work with decided to he was going to show me how to use a tattoo machine um, at this point I'm primarily just using tattoo machines to do the same style of artwork that I was doing but now I can do it a little bit more efficiently without destroying and your without wrist destroying my wrist and, um, yeah. I still offer the hand poke stuff for the people who want the experience I just limit it to like nothing that's going to take longer than three or four hours to complete because at that point like I'm I'm right. done for the day. Right. So, um, but it's still really cool. Like I, I get a lot of people that come to me, and they don't, you know, they don't care what they get; they just want something so that way they have that experience and can say, like, "Oh, I had this cool. done," you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really neat because you don't see that a, a lot in our Western culture. People right. just wanting oh, to yeah. get a tattoo for well, an experience. Th- that handpoke
1: like dot style is definitely becoming trendier now. But definitely. I feel like you got a, you were probably in it and got to that experience point right when those two were colliding, where it was, it was fashionable, yeah. but you already had the experience, so mm-hmm. you could offer it, but the good version of it, and not Correct. just like yeah. the figuring it out as I go version. Yeah,
2: it. it's like prison tattoos for people who are, you know, good in life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the
1: prison tattoos for people that aren't gonna go to prison. Correct, though. yeah. So uh, how much time do you actually spend piercing now? Because I know you have other piercers, your studio has grown.
2: Yeah, um, my work li- My workload is based, um, I have 60% of it is managing our studio. Um, the other 30% is spent doing tattooing i just do that a couple of days a week and then piercing um, i cover shifts when it's needed in our studio and i do appointment only when necessary but you but i'm not a full time piercer yeah. at this point um, the other people on my staff are just absolutely crushing it mm-hmm. and they're they're loving it you know so um, for me my passion really right now is just building our business and growing it and taking care of the day to day operations yep. and all that stuff so that way i make sure our our business has a good backbone so everybody has a job not only today but also 10 years from now so that's awesome because yeah.
1: I mean that's that's how you make a successful business. You can certainly Correct. be successful with a high turnover, but I don't no. feel like it's the same kind of success. No. It's, it's not like a fulfilling success. It's just profitable no, success. No, I mean
2: when it comes down to it it's a, we're a small tribe, you know, we're building a family, so um, so we got to take time who's to question for now. Uh, Tyler McClure per- pierces full-time, uh, Tyler Bernard pierces full-time, and Larry. then, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Will Von Doom just joined our our crew not too long ago. He's on part-time right now, um, but as we get our new studio open up, he'll probably transition into a full-time as well. Awesome. So. Yeah, as we're expanding, we are looking also yeah. for another additional speaker. What April just said is we <laughs> might be looking for another full-time addition to our studio. Wake. Hint,
1: hint. Ah. So what's, what's your workload like at the studio? Mostly office stuff or photography, brand building?
0: Um, a little bit of that. We've been doing a lot of planning since we recently purchased a building a couple months ago. So I've been doing a lot of that. Mental labor and but I don't pain. envy you for new someone with plan. experience in that. <laughs> that yeah.
1: yeah yeah.
0: I, you know I was lamenting to you the other night about some of the new verbiage and the new words You know you take for granted like we know how to open a studio, but there's a lot of new right new things to learn
1: Construction and, is a whole different thing if you don't know about it.
0: Yeah uh, Yeah Property owning is also a new thing oh, yeah. that we d- we're learning about. So um, right now I'm taking a lot of the mental labor of the new business. Um, I do the scheduling and I do jewelry ordering and a lot of the administration behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. for the shop. Um, <laughs> if there are uh, employee, family family matters to attend to, mom comes in right, and handles right. a little bit. But generally speaking, I just do the scheduling and I um, help with the jewelry ordering. And for the most part, they it's a well-oiled machine. Everybody is running and doing their thing. That's great. Um, and my my job specifically, as you were saying earlier, the reason we work is because we put the infrastructure in place. And that's pretty much my role. is
1: Infrastructure. Like, mm-hmm. Right.
0: I mean, everything mm-hmm. from our protocols and our training manuals and all the hiring and the guest artist booking mm-hmm. and all that yeah. stuff is the behind the scenes shit that I do during the day.
2: Don't let her be too humble. She still pulls counter shifts pretty often, too. Yeah. It's a good way to keep on top of what's actually going on in our business yeah. and what we need to change yeah. and what we need to evolve. What's and working? Where problems what's actually at. working? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I
1: think a lot of people they hit a certain point of success and then they start to let go a little too much, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they start, you know, I'll have a manager take care of that. I'll have this. I'll have that. I'm going to go enjoy the fruits of my labor without keeping boots on the ground in the studio. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of studios suffer because of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's a really fine line. In the beginning, the first. Third of our existence, it was so hard to let go of anything. It was like me, me, me. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want to do it all. I can't trust a single soul looking at this, let alone doing
2: it. Mm -hmm. And then you Um, realize it's killing you. Yeah, Yeah. I've had those points.
0: We've developed a really great working relationship with the people that have worked for us for a long time. I mean, he was just talking about our piercing staff. Uh, Tyler, Larry, has been with us for almost six years. So at this point, we trust him to do a lot of things that we wouldn't normally
1: trust him Does person. it like, drive him nuts that he was the first Tyler, technically, but he gets the Larry status? Yes, it does. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, we... Have developed a really great relationship with McCor, and he has been. He has his own way of doing things that may not be exactly the same way as I do them. Mm-hmm. But he is obsessed about the same details, even though we mm-hmm. have a different method. Yeah. We trust him, yeah. and there are so many things that we have been delegating that we just we can trust yeah. him with things. So
1: it's good that you give people that flexibility of, of realizing that there's more than one correct way to do it. Definitely, because I some of the hard lessons that I've learned is trying to make it all like the Ryan Show. And if people aren't compatible and they don't want a ticket to The Ryan Show, they're going to leave and yep. they're going to go somewhere else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, you have to let people be individuals and realize nobody works the same. Everybody has different personalities and yeah. different personality traits. Yeah. Luckily, and, and actually, is it makes your
1: business stronger when you have those different points of view. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So, unfortunately for Tyler, he works so well with us, he's never allowed to leave. So right. Well, when yeah. you find a good one, you know, keep your hopes yeah, up. Yeah. No. No. He same He's already been Tyler, told. Tyler. He has to work there forever. He's yeah. my right-hand man. So, yeah.
1: so do you I see like what do you see for like long term like is is pretty much like your end goal getting this second studio up and running do you have like do you want to start taking more time for yourselves things like that
2: oh if we weren't working all the time we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves so um
0: we have a lot of different goals in mind and we are very fluid in letting the universe kind of show us what's really supposed mm -hmm. to be next Mm -hmm. because we don't want to get ahead of ourselves right very generally speaking um in just the body art world, I think after the studio is set and it's running healthily and everybody's working together well, I think our next focus is going to be a little bit more of our online web situation. Although I don't want to make too many announcements about that, we're right. going to really we were going to focus on that this year mm-hmm. and then the business yeah. expansion. Happened. Mm-hmm. So that's going to go back to our main focus, but then. If we wanted to expand, we have a few areas in our region mm-hmm. that we think are great markets, very similar to Knoxville that could need that could really yeah. utilize mm-hmm. a place like ours, but we're really testing our ability to run
1: multiple. Right, shops. yeah. I mean it's don't over-expand. Right. Exactly, yeah. exactly, I, I, exactly. I I can't people have asked me all the time, you know, do you want a second studio? And it's like, no, I barely want one studio. Yeah.
0: I think that we both have other business goals in mind. There oh, yeah. is a really need for like a boutique-y sex toy store in our town, Yeah. Um, or I should say, in our region. Something right. Something that's really classy.
1: Well, it's the and same. It's the same kind of thing as piercing. If you if you if you take yourself out of it, you know, yes. people people who want those kinds of services, like when it comes don't to
0: want to go in a seedy place. Right.
1: They don't want to go in a, a tattoo parlor. Yeah. They, they want to go in a salon that offers body piercing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same thing. Like that's how Victoria's Secret started. Yes. Yeah. Because the guy's wife Victoria wanted to buy laundry. And she didn't want to go into like a department store with with old ladies and, and feel like not sexy. Yeah. So that's how those things came about. And it's great if you can if you can see those markets that that are being underserviced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's
0: a huge thing for well, us. Yeah. And possibly a vegan restaurant. When
2: it yeah, when it comes down to it, we're just serial entrepreneurs, and right. we like we like things that weirdos like. You yeah. know, and I use that as a term of endearment. Yeah. But, um,
1: I've wanted a vegan
0: restaurant for years. Yeah, he yeah. talks about it constantly. I am so terrified of the restaurant business because my, my family has history there. But well, do you have do you have a college make... in
1: your area?
2: We do. Yeah. Well, then there There's, you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just want somebody else to be able to make me lunch every day. Right. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's purely selfish reasons. Right. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Mexico's you just get live a It's a really chef.
0: great community that's growing like into in Austin, Texas, before mm. Austin got to right. kind of whatever. Um, and I, that's one thing that we got really lucky to be in early, and our shop has had a bigger influence. We've always sponsored local fringe arts, and we sponsor other art events in town, and the art community in general has blown up in a lot of really wonderful ways and I would just like to see us continue down that path. That's yeah. really what we're going Well, it's good that you can and. attach
1: yourself to that community and not like, you know, the bar scene, nightclubs, stuff like that Yeah, it gives you more of a legitimacy as artists. Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. And there's already, I mean, there's already studios in our town that that's, that's really their market. Like when we came to town, it wasn't about trying to take everyone else's clients from them. It right. was about finding our own clientele yeah. and yeah. being able to do that. Like
1: I don't want to be a convinced away from that them. you can go to okay, I don't want to say any city, but you can go to lots of different places and there they all those different parts of the market are all there and you just need mm-hmm. to figure out which part of the market you you want to, to market to. You know, are they being is it oversaturated, is it undersaturated, all that stuff and you know if if you have the right thing, you know, because there are probably people that come into your studio that are like, oh, this place is so well lit and polite and clean. Definitely. Like yep. I, I don't feel comfortable here. Yep. Yeah. So and I that's mean, perfectly it can't be fine. All things to everyone. No. no absolutely.
2: E- everybody's yeah. after a different experience. Right.
0: That's a key to all branding yeah. and marketing, in my opinion. Too. When somebody's brand gets lost and muddy, it's because they're trying to reach everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's a perfect world for us to say, Yeah, I want everybody to be my client because we're not discriminatory. Of course, yeah. I want everybody from every age and every background. Of course. Yeah. But when you're thinking about branding and marketing, you are looking for a specific clientele, and you are looking for a specific you person want the to identify, fit. exactly. And whether it's a similar worldview, that's becoming the new thing. It used to be that you would want to market towards people who were looking for a certain type of product or service or a level of quality or whatever, but it's turning into, with, with the age of media, here's an innovative topic, with the age of media, everything is turning into a similar worldview. Mm-hmm. You'll notice our Facebook feeds are becoming more tailored to, if you happen to fall in the left liberal right. category, your right. feed will be tailored to that. All news is available to you but it's o- the only stuff showing up
1: is it's an can... algorithm culture. Yes. Yeah, and like you can you can drive that, you can work with it, you can work against it, but if you try to go in too many different directions, you you're not going to have the same success as if yeah. you if you understand Who wants to spend dollars in your business and cater to them? Mm
0: -hmm. We used to use the knowledge, though, of we're looking for people who are into tattoos. Right. That's what we're looking for on the Google searches. We're not, though. Now we're actually looking for people who maybe voted for a particular candidate. Right. Or maybe they're into people who like to get manicures. Yes, maybe they're into a specific hobby. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking from a branding and marketing aspect, we're thinking in more terms of worldview. Um, and ideals yeah. than we are specific search terminology right. Right. even.
1: Yeah, Yeah. because it's so, sometimes you you can reach out to a client and they might not even know that they love body piercing yet. Yes. They just love the, the jewelry and the look and I've, I've had so many clients come in and just be like, that's got such a great feel to it and it reminds me of this music that I like or oh, I've got sandals that are that kind of stuff and it's like, oh my God, you should totally get your such and such pierced. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah.
0: He just had a tattoo client the other day who got... Maybe two hours worth of tattooing, but she was so enthralled in the experience she didn't want to ring out. Like we were trying to cash her out and she's like, Well, let me get a couple more piercings. Let me get it like she just didn't yeah. want to leave. Yeah. And so and then she's like convincing her friend to get tattooed and like she just didn't want to let go of our yeah. shop. And that is like You a whole know what I saw that was really great? Did team.
1: you did you see those advertisements about how Jim Ward's gonna be at 23rd Street yes. and he's got these private appointments and it costs like X amount and you get a full hour and it's an experience or something like that? Yeah. I could see that happening with the studio where where it's like, you book like a block service. You come in, you sit down, we'll give you a coffee. You can just hang out for a while. We'll talk about what you're looking for. We'll talk about what we can create and do for you. And it's not like a... We do that
0: anyway. That's yeah? exactly our process. Yeah, that's yeah, That's great. That is exactly our process yeah. if you want to get booked for a tattoo. Because down, the thing about indeed. it,
1: the, the reason I'm convinced that... Have you noticed that like hipster barbershops are everywhere now? Mm-hmm. It's because you give people an experience that they can't get anywhere else. You get an experience where... Uh, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, like... Homophobia it drives all these different services because like, uh, like big, burly, cool, hipster guys, they they can't admit that they, they like being touched by another man and they like being in contact and being in this like masculine environment, but that's also intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they, they keep going back every couple of weeks to get their hair cut because it's this, it's an experience. I'm not saying it's a sexual experience, but sure. no, it's an intimate experience. It's something
2: that we lost in our culture.
1: Right. Right. You yeah. can't just like reach out and have physical contact with someone and, and feel that intimacy. And if you can offer that through tattooing or piercing, people become addicted to that sort of like level of intimacy and, and contact and then they want to come back and mm-hmm. for them it's not necessarily just about getting a new piercing or getting a, a new piece of jewelry. It's yeah. about that comfort and you know, feeling like they're coming home and, and... camaraderie
0: right. and the right of decision. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. They feel like that's their community. That all breaks it down to just basic energy exchange, like yeah. we've lost that in
1: our culture and right. people definitely need that. Right. Yeah, Um, because you can't be too cold and you can't be overly professional. You have to have that warmth. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So you were mentioning that men's barbershops popping up everywhere. I will share with you a little insider knowledge about the hair salon industry is that men's cuts are some of the fastest growing hair fashion trends across their industry. And so what they're seeing is like a 30% increase in men's styles. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that we should apply, I think, going forward into what we can expect to come up soon is men are... As you said, we've lost in our culture. Men used to be the ones going to barbershops, getting their beards trimmed, all that. Mm-hmm. Men are becoming fashionistas a little bit more, and I think our jewelry trends got really feminine over these last few yeah, years. Yeah, definitely.
1: And I'm is. sure it alienated a lot of like male clients. It
0: has. Mm-hmm. But I think we're doing a little bit to undo that. Like Paul Shinichi is doing a great job of right. making a little bit more androgynous jewelry, yeah. and more masculine-presenting yeah. jewelry. So I think uh, that is what I'm hoping to see coming forward is we're we always kind of lament that like we all the guys that come into us are tattoo clients Mm -hmm. like we want to see more of them getting pierced yeah and um i think that is what we can expect to see maybe not as immediate as this year like we don't necessarily get the the salon trends the same year but over the next few years, right. uh, holler to all the jewelry manufacturers. Can we please make some more men-friendly designs? Because yeah, and not masculine.
1: Because I think when people say masculine, they're thinking like you know big, spikes weird, and yes, chunky yes, and no, yeah, just no. something
0: that's a little bit no, more neutral and let, we right. got really dainty for a while. Right, we got really feminine, and we just need to get a little bit more. I think like we went a simple. little
1: bit too far on like the everything has to be this tiny little gem, and everything mm-hmm. is crystalline and, and looks like glitter. Uh, and I think that did push a lot of a lot of guys away from from studios. And now I feel like so many like not hipster guys, but like fashion guys are, are getting these like little you know tattoos under their eye, and they're getting this, and they're getting that. And I could totally see those same clients coming in in droves and being like, oh, you know, I want to filter them or paired yes. nostrils or yes. something. They just have to find jewelry that they're not embarrassed to show off to their dude friends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's an emerging market. It's a market of men that are spending money on their shoes and they're spending money on their hair. And men are notorious for not giving a shit about what their right. haircuts look like, right? right? Like, they're they spending more time on themselves, especially the professional men. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that have mm-hmm. a little bit of disposable income. We really beard
1: culture be. has helped that out a ton, too. Yeah. It has. Yeah.
0: Just men's fashion in general. Yeah, I is think 10 years ago, ago like,
1: you, you couldn't... Like, I wonder how much money Americans spend on beard oil in 2017, oh. you know? And, yeah. like, that, that alone says it. Like, yeah. if you can sell beard oil to people, you can sell nice body jewelry to men. Oh,
0: yeah. Yes, yep. yes. So we... I'm actually, now that we've had this lovely discussion, I think that's probably going to be my focus when I get home next week is to review some of my media posts and yeah. try to get back to I have a huge collection of really great stuff from guys. Nice
1: piercings I, get you laid.
0: <laughs> <You're really laughs> In <doing> podcast.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> even our, our feeds. We, we have a lot of girls that work for us now. Right. And so we've, we, we have gotten to that. I mean, even Tyler McClure, he's a ladies' man. Mm. All the way, all of his posts are very feminine and beautiful pieces. So I think we... Should make a focus to really get back to right to advertising to them. If
1: you look at the average piercer's Instagram page, ninety percent of it are going to be ear piercings on women. Yep, like it's it's For really sure. difficult to kind of turn that around, you know. So whenever I, I do a nice piercing on a man, I, I really want to say like, hey, you know, let, let me take a couple pictures. Are you comfortable with that? Let's do a quick little photo shoot. And and a lot of times they're just like, oh, cool, yeah, awesome, I'm into it, you know. Yep. Let's
0: talk about that paradigm shift because it goes back to other things too. If we're gonna shift and start showing more if we're gonna be more cognitive of the gender, like if we're gonna start posting more men, piercings, let's also think about Things like organics. All I hear ever is all of us continually say organics don't sell. But how many of us are plastering that shit all over our media pages? Mm-hmm. None of us. If, as a collective, we started pushing that, we bring the trend back. Maybe not like it was.
2: Well, okay, the, there was the experiment with like
1: the the Fourth of July brow. Kind That's one of thing. day. Like sometimes you can't and it's push like, too hard on. against it. I don't yes, want to. I don't want to paint yeah. all organics in the same sense because, like, if you look at it's something like what you're wearing, Brian, like a really nice cut of like lapis or stone that has this great personality but it's not like frou-frou glittery like it's it's got like weight and heft to it so like mm-hmm. you could you could say it's it's uh, middle of the road or masculine or feminine or whatever but it just it looks nice on on the person that can pull it off I think when when people say organics are dead those are the people who are just like well the stuff that you were selling 10 years ago made out of wood sure maybe that is dead but don't give up on like these people that are making amazing cuts of stone and, and all oh, yeah. this stuff Right.
2: stone is timeless in my opinion yeah. I don't think it's
1: ever going to go away yeah Literally and figuratively. True. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, any any other topics you want to hit on?
0: I feel like we kind of covered the, the things that we did. Yeah,
1: we had, we had a good camera. Brian yeah.
0: has really great training uh, stuff. Like with you've met Larry. He's yeah. been with us for almost six years. This is his first A.P.P. event. Mm-hmm. He was with us for two years before really taking off with his apprenticeship, and like he's been he's great. And so how I long has, has he been apprenticing? Shop? He apprenticed for two solid years. Two solid, okay. So is he, is he like... he's been piercing for two years.
1: Okay, so he's already a licensed piercer. He's a member.
2: That's why he's here. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Cool. I didn't know if he was an associate or if he was a business. No, he's... He's Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, But I would like to see, because there's a shortage of great piercers in the industry, Mm -hmm. and I say that very loosely, there's lots of wonderful piercers, but there are so many wonderful cities that need great piercers that are short on it. Yeah. I would love to see more studios investing the time. It takes time. It takes a lot of time, Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of money and a lot of patience to
1: properly train train someone. Yeah.
0: But I really, really think that as a community, we need to be encouraging more and more studios to take that risk. Especially the really good piercers need to be training more. Of themselves.
1: Yeah, I could agree, but I, I also think that there's there's an untapped thing where you can take, uh, as an example, I had a um, really nice woman named, named Danielle contact me on Facebook and said, You know, I'm in a studio and I don't have any of the resources that I would want. Can I come and shadow at your place? And she came up a few times and shadowed, and then she just went back to her studio and quit because she's like, Well, now I see, like, now I know what a statum is, now I know what threadless jewelry is, this and that, and I can't go back, you know. So she she quit and um, now it's at a point where you know she's going to start doing some shifts at my studio uh, on the counter and things like that and I, I I would love those kind of situations like you don't necessarily have to start from scratch with someone but you can find the person who has that drive to they know where they want to get they just don't know how to mm-hmm. get there and mentor those people you Definitely.
2: know that's that's what I did I yeah. mean I started out in the studio with nothing but externally threaded jewelry and right. like I mean it was it was it was good for our area, but it was not good. And, right. um, BME, man, that's, mm-hmm. that's what opened my eyes and right. taught me. Yeah, doors box, basically. yeah it was yeah. bad. And then, but then I went out and I started making friends and that's if, going in hand with your topic. I think that brings out a really good topic is that like we will occasionally get, um, like some people I know will get emails from other piercers in our city who are like, "Hey, I really want to be an APP member, and will you come into my studio and like just give me like a walkthrough and tell me what I could be doing better?" Mm-hmm. And then I hear about this, and I go, "That's funny. This person's been piercing like for five years. They've never been in our studio. In they've they've never come in and gotten a piercing. Yep. Like, and it's to me like I went and I traveled all the time to go pierce from piercers that I found online that were better than me. Yeah, you were and I would." Oh, yeah. Like, I would right. yeah, so so I, would, I would. show up yeah. and I'd, I'd pay a hundred bucks for my friend to get pierced so I could watch them get pierced by somebody mm. else and then ask questions about it. And honestly, that's how I ended up getting my gig in Chicago was I made really good friends with uh, Scott Jania, who was piercing there. And then when it was time for him to move on and move to New Zealand, he called me up and he was like, I know you don't know how to work with some of the jewelry that we work here. I know that you don't work with status and stuff like that, but I see the love that you have for this and how much you come up here and you want to be good. And I, I see your work and it's solid. I want to give you this opportunity to move up right. here and, and be able to be better, you know? Yeah. And that, that was phenomenal because yeah. in all honesty, I don't know if I was necessarily qualified to, to fall in his shoes, but I was at that point where I was ready for the challenge, yeah. you know, and I was yeah. ready to learn and step it you up very quickly. You got to think like
1: what would you, yeah. what kind of career trajectory would you have had if you hadn't gotten that opportunity? Oh. You might've been able to get to the same place, but it might've taken you years. Oh. Taking so that much longer, and opportunity.
2: But I would just love to see more people like actually like want to shadow things right. and ju- right. or just go and get fucking pierced by somebody. Right. Right. Why is and that, that such a like, crazy yeah. thing?
0: There's <laughs> lots of temporary. I always say the temporary piercers in our town because they never last for mm-hmm. a few years before they start waitressing or whatever, right. and then they come back. So they they. We'll find out from our friends. Like, oh yeah, this person that's in your town asked me if he could come shadow in my city. I'm like, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he just come in and get pierced by a f- I, one I get of that our four fairly piercers. often. You know, I'm not
1: I'm not always like you know the the friendliest you know person uh, you know, for whatever persona online or something like that people think that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm you know unapproachable in in some ways. But sometimes people will be like, hey, uh, I wanted to ask you something and I, I I didn't know how you'd take it, but can I maybe? come up to your studio and ask you. And I'm like, yeah, you could totally shadow. You could stay at my place overnight if you want. Do a couple of days. You could do this, do that, whatever. Sit in on all of it and I'll show you whatever you want. And I'm not going to ask for any money or anything. Like, let's just talk piercing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And not enough people do that. I think people do that when they're in like an inner circle where it's like, hey, we're buds. Can I come check out your shop? But I know very few people who actually like take that – Mm-hmm. Courage, kind of moment, and yeah. say, like, hey, I know we haven't talked before, but I like what you're doing. Can I come and check it out? And I, at the same time, I wouldn't want to see shops just being like, no, sorry, trade secret. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, and, and, you that know, doesn't even but exist. Sometimes, really.
2: yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. that's just the answer you get. Yeah. You know, when I was trying to shadow people, I I would say about 50% of the people I asked told me no. Yeah. And but that was sometimes fine. Sometimes
0: you're asking questions that were maybe outside of what you should have been asking. And that's it, another thing. Maybe. It could have been.
2: Yeah. 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 You know, I don't yeah. know, because it, Come this was a long time me. ago, well, but at the same thing.
1: And they're like, will you show me how to do this thing? And it's like, well, no, because I don't necessarily know your skill set. But yep. you can watch me do a few things and ask questions, and I'll answer your questions.
2: And that's the real test of what they know is what questions they right. ask. Because yeah. like in our apprenticeship program, I told Tyler, like, I'm not going to teach you how to pierce per se I'm gonna teach you how to think right and that way when I give you skill sets mm-hmm. and you learn how to do one thing then yeah. we're gonna sit down and I'm gonna say okay what else can you build off of that skill set right and it took him from being somebody who just learned how to poke a hole to being a person that like a couple years out of his apprenticeship I don't have to hold his hand every day the, the, you know, the main like, thing
1: that I think is, is missing from uh, piercers learning even piercers learning in good studios is problem-solving ability yes because like I, now I get these these piercers who are like well you know, uh, I, I've never done an apodravia because I've never been shown how to do an apodravia. And it's like, well have you, have you done a PA? Well then you could you can do it. Like you're yeah. like you're a piercer right. with experience. Like, do you think anybody ever taught me how to do a dido? No, I just I did a dido, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people don't think
0: people thinking of like skin is right. the same as the skin. Right, is right. The the people
1: life. don't break it down to its its base elements and then yeah. do the problem solving to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. hand holding is okay to a certain point. Well, mm-hmm. you can only get so good if you're if you're waiting for someone to hold your hand through. Correct. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, uh, so uh, once again, like where can people find you online uh, or in the real world? Like where's your studio located? What's your website? What's your social media?
0: Born to Say Body Arts is in Knoxville, Tennessee, snuggled in with the East Tennessee Smoky Mountains. Um, you can find us everywhere online. If it's an online, we're on it. Uh, specifically,
1: lemonparty.org oh <laughs> that's dead
2: um born this way Body com is our main website from there you have links to all of our social media but you can find us on facebook instagram um the tumblers the uh, the pinterest i don't man oh, wow. it's all out there I, the webs i got people that do that I don't right know. right <laughs> yeah. you can find my triple forward helix featuring a beautiful flower thing on every Thing that exists ever? Yeah, I uh, think
1: every
0: Chinese company I, that's trying
1: to rip off. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> the one that goes around on Tumblr, and it's like you know every three months you see it. And it's like oh, okay, it's up to sixty thousand notes. Awesome. Eight oh, it's over. Ago, it's
2: it over a million. Oh, million. oh, it's over a million. Eight yeah, just no big deal. Again, yeah. big deal. Like, when Tumblr first came out, we were like,
0: what happened? How did this
1: photo right. get reblogged? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, because it
2: looks nice. Just goes to show you can make something popular on Tumblr and not have it be pornography.
1: Right. Right. Well, you're one in a million. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, thanks for talking to me and uh, maybe Thank we can uh, with us. talk again down the road and you can tell me about how you're going to continue taking over the world.
2: Thank you for having us, Ryan. This it's is really, really
1: been
0: fun. a pleasure hanging out with you and talking
1: to you more. Cool. Well, it was fun for me too. So there you have it, uh, two smart folks who took a good idea and really ran with it. So if, if you're a body piercer out there and you're thinking of one day opening your own studio, um, kind of look to that sort of business model. You know, it doesn't have to be in your hometown. You know, find a market that's under-saturated, uh, open up a studio and, and offer the best work you can. You know, uh, pay a lot of attention to your clientele and, and give them what they want and try to make them happy. Uh, Next week I'll have another interview. I'm not exactly sure which one it's going to be yet. I've still got a lot of content to go through. I have to edit a lot of interviews from... Camp APP, and BMX, and UK APP, so I've got a lot of good content for you over the next, I think, couple of weeks. Uh, If there's anything that you want to hear on the show, whether it's a certain topic, or if you want me to answer some more questions, or if you want me to get a certain person in to interview, um, go ahead and shoot me a message at uh, piercingwizard at gmail.com, or send me a message on Facebook, I'm under Ryan PBA, or you can like the show at Podcast. And if you get a chance, please take a couple minutes and rate our show, whether you listen to it on Google Play Music or Apple iTunes. Um, Apparently, it really helps out a lot with algorithms and getting the show seen and heard by a lot of new listeners. So I would really appreciate that. If you get a chance to give me a five star or even give me a comment, I'd really appreciate it. I will look forward to getting next week's show done, and I will see you then.